This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. Should you quit value investing? Should you throw in the towel and just buy the growth stocks? I've been thinking about this a lot here in 2024 as all the major big cap indexes are now busting out to new highs, which is a good thing for all of us stock investors, even value investors, but it is being led by the growth stocks once again. And so it's getting a little depressing, right, for some of us who are on the value side because we do feel like we're missing out. We have the FOMO, the fear of missing out, but the fear is actually real, right? Because we look at our portfolios and we're like, we're not doing what NVIDIA is doing right now. But think about how painful it must be for Warren Buffett. Sure, he has that big position in Apple. It's been Berkshire's lifeblood for nearly a decade now. And it's been a triumph and good for Buffett for getting into it when he did, when it was still cheap in 2016. But if you take a look at some of his other largest positions in the Berkshire portfolio, you do have to wonder if he too has the FOMO right now, fear of missing out, although he never admits to it, right? He never, he always just says, um, you know, I'm patient or, you know, I, I'm not buying at those levels and all of that. That's why uh, we all look to him in these times for back up all of us value investors. We need someone to tell us that it's going to be okay to continue to be a value investor because we do want to quit. We do want to throw in the towel. But I took a look at a couple of his other big positions there outside of Apple, um, starting with his most recent large position that he added in the fourth quarter of 2020, and it was Chevron, ticker CVX. Now, remember, energy was the best performing sector in the S&P 500 two years in a row, 2021 and 2022. So things were going pretty good. He was, uh, you know, crushing it with both this investment plus the Occidental that he's still stocking up on. Uh, but it's been a little rough in 2023 and again here to start in 2024. So I took a look to see what it was doing since he added it. We don't ever know the actual date, but it was in the fourth quarter at some point. So I just used the end date, the very last date of that quarter in 2020. And the shares of Chevron are up 70.2% versus 30.1% for the S&P 500 in that time period. Remember, this is pandemic time. Things were kind of up and down, and then stocks were down in 2022. The S&P 500 was down then. Um, so when you look at it in the course of since he's owned it, it's it's been you know better than expected. And this doesn't even include the dividend of which at some point in there, Chevron was yielding over 5%. And now I think just a little bit over 4% right now. So uh, not too bad. And we know that Buffett is a longer-term investor. He has a strong stomach, as I like to call it. You have to have a strong stomach to stay in some of these in the ups and downs. And right now, we're in the down period for many of the value stocks, especially energy. And so he's just kind of in there holding. Now that bigger dividend does give you some comfort, right? If you're getting over 4% yield, that's at least something. 
So, um, and you're buying more shares on the cheap if you're reinvesting it in back into the shares. So that's, it's not all bad, but still a little difficult when you're looking at what's happening on the growth side of things. Um, then I took a look at Bank of America. The um, whale wisdom said that he bought into this position in the third quarter of 2017. So I went by the last date of that quarter as well. And these shares have returned BAC 30.6% since uh, September, end of September 2017 versus 94% for the S&P 500. So that might sound kind of terrible, right? That one is the reverse. He is very much underperforming there. But over the last two years is really when Bank of America has been hit hard. It kind of was moving in tandem with the S&P 500 up until two years ago. And over that two-year period, the shares are down 26.3%. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 was up 11.1%. So that's a big swing in there, over 30% swing um, for the banks. But remember, this is the period where the Fed started raising, but we had the banking crisis. So a lot of these banks really got hit hard over the, just the last two years. And he's a longer term investor. He's now in year number seven on owning Bank of America. And so as far as he's concerned, that's actually kind of short to be owning. You know, a, a long term investor is really 20 or 30 or even 40 years out. So this is just year seven. And it is underperforming for now, but you also do get a dividend with Bank of America. And so at least you're getting something for your patients to kind of hang in there. The third uh, big holding that he owns that I was curious about to kind of see what it's been up to is American Express, ticker AXP. He bought it in the first quarter of 2001. So he has owned this over 20 years. So um, hopefully that's you know, allowed him to ride out the ups and the downs in these financial stocks. And this one is up 418.2% at the end of that quarter in March 2001 is when I put in the dates. And the S&P is up 321.3%. So it is beating the S&P 500, 418.2% to 321.3%. So not too shabby there. Um, anytime you can beat the S&P 500, you're doing pretty good because that is the benchmark for most most investors is that index. So is he feeling bad? I don't know. I just said he must be painful for him, right? Given those uh, stocks up at the top of his portfolio outside of Apple. But maybe looking at it from a much longer time frame, it really hasn't been that much of a struggle for him to hold on to some of these stocks. Um, sure, we had the recent uh, weakness in both banks and energy, but if you are a true longer term investor, you need to look out further than just even the two years, even though I know for most of us that's hard to do, especially right now when you have the MAG-7 seemingly hitting new highs almost every day. And you're like, why, why am I owning this bank? Why aren't I in NVIDIA? 
right? That's that's the question many of us value investors are asking. So I decided to take a look and see if there were any tech stocks that looked kind of interesting that were still cheap that us value investors could get in because we know NVIDIA is not cheap. Even if you look, even if you ditch the PE part of it and you say, I'm only going to look the price to sales, the price to sales on a lot of the uh, big popular tech stocks are way outside the realm of being a value as well. Um, so there's really no valuation you can use to justify buying the tech stocks or saying that they're cheap. You could try price to book. You could try a peg. You can try a price to sales ratio, but those are sky high right now. So I'm just going to stick with the PE. And I decided to run a screen using the tech sector. Um, we have the sector uh, screening capabilities on Zax.com. So we have like computers and technology, I think it's called. So I use that as my sector. Then uh, even though some, some of the tech names are outside of that, actually, just FYI, but for today's purposes, I'm just using that as my uh, guide. And then I added Zach's number ones or number twos. We want the strong buys and the buys because hopefully we're getting rising earnings estimates. And then I looked for PE, but under 20. I did raise it past the 15 because this is a hotter sector and... I decided I wanted more names than less. So I went under 20 and just running this kind of basic screen, I got 37 stocks. So that's pretty many names, but of course there's not going to be your favorite mag sevens on there. They don't have PEs under 20. <laughs> so uh, you can't think, oh, I'm going to run this and us value investors, if you're looking for that PE are going to be able to buy those stocks. But there are still are 37 in the computer um, and technology sector that did qualify with this Zach's rank. And a couple of the names you know, so I decided to take a look at them, like Dell is on there, ticker D-E-L-L. -L. It has a PE of 12.4, so it's pretty cheap. It's well under 20. And over the last year, the shares are actually up 100%. I had a look to see, like, why is everybody into Dell right now? Um, but Dell EPS is expected to decline 12.5% this fiscal year, but uh, it's supposed to be up next year 5.7% fiscal 2025. Still, still cheap, so you would want to get single-digit earnings growth fairly cheap at 12 times, but this stock has had a huge run again, up 100%. So it just goes to tell you, you can find some cheap uh, technology stocks and still get big returns. You don't necessarily have to settle for, you know, up 10% or something over the last year. Um, another one that kind of popped up at me that we have talked about before was Zoom Video, ticker ZM. It's owned by Kathy Wood in her ARC K ETF, the ARC Innovation. And over the last year, this stock is actually down still, down 2%. It has had a rally at the end of 2023 here into 2024 a bit. But PE is still attractive at 14.1. But the growth on that one, as I talked about in prior podcasts, the growth is pretty low on Zoom video, which is, again, why it's trading with the nice value PE. It shouldn't be trading at 20 times or 30 times because then we might have a problem, a uh, valuation problem in the market. 
But uh, Zoom video is another interesting one. Then I also saw Silicon Motion Technologies is on here, ticker S-I-M-O. This is a semiconductor out of Hong Kong. Over the last year, it's actually down 3.9%. I kind of went into it looking, you know, I saw that it was semis and those have been hot. So I thought, oh, this one must be up. But no, it's actually down 3.9. And this one has a PE of 19.3. So it is on the higher side but still within our parameters of under 20. But that is uh, one of the cheaper on the semiconductors, ticker S-I-M-O. And then I also saw NetApp was on here, ticker N-T-A-P. Over the last year, it's up 31.6%. So that did beat the S&P 500, which was up 22.6 over the last year. And this is in the cloud side data management hardware if you actually look through the list of the 37 stocks like closer than what I'm doing right here, you'll see that there are a lot of the hardware names on there. Those are the more the dull side, you know, who cares about laptops and, uh, you know, the servers and stuff like that, that you need to run your life. But there's just not the glamour side. It's not the fun side of tech like a smartphone or the watch, the Apple Watch, or you know the gadgets, the metaverse glasses that are coming out and all that stuff. It's it's on the basics, the the day to day grunt type of stuff, and those are a lot of the ones that are value because the growth is slower there. So you're paying cheaper for those types of companies. Another one that was on here that Warren Buffett used to own and ditched out of what is IBM, ticker IBM. It's trading at 17.7 times. So that's not real cheap, actually, for a stock like this. Um, and one year, this is up 22.6%. Oh, um, I was thinking that was the S&P 500. But no, that's IBM is actually up 22.6. But that's right around where the S&P, for some reason, I didn't. Did I write it down? No, um, but it's it's around there as well. So it's kind of moving uh, in lockstep with the S&P 500. I guess it's not a bad thing, right? Because 29% of the S&P 500 is now the MAG 7, basically, um, if you're not looking at the equal weight. And so IBM, you know, it did get a boost over the last year, but there is a reason that Buffett did exit out of that position. And um, one of those is because he always said it was not doing what he thought it would do. And that might be on the growth side. It's still kind of struggling to find some growth out there. And at 17.7 times, is that cheap? On a PE basis, I would say no. And for a stock like IBM, I need to get it much cheaper than 17 times. So, so these are just a few of the names that are on the list. You can go in and screen for yourself and see what else it brings up. If you're a Zach's Premium member and you got that Zach's rank in there, but you're still not getting, you know, any of the Magnificent Seven type of stocks, which I know you all want to own. And so it brings me back to the original question on this podcast. Should you quit value investing? And my response to that has always been, value investing is not easy. <laughs> it never has been. Warren Buffett makes it look easy, but even he 
is goes through these periods where he struggles uh, and his portfolio underperforms or large parts of it do. And you have to have patience. You have to have that strong stomach to stay in value stacks and know why you own the companies you own. What What is good about them? What are they doing right? And value investing is when the market ignores what is going right. So for some of these bank stacks, um, you know, he owns Bank of America, but many of the bank stocks are not struggling here. The banks are doing fairly well and reporting actually pretty solid quarters and looking for 2024 to be solid again. Many of them have nice free cash flows. Some of them are paying big dividends now because the stocks have come down so much. And so you have to ask yourself what's actually going on with this business and do I want to own this business and where is it going so that I can buy some growth at a good valuation. That's what we do. And it isn't always fun, as I mentioned, but we do have to have a longer time period than just say the last 12 months or even two years we have to go back further. We have to, uh, you know, own for the longer haul. And if you buy stocks on the cheap, that's when you, you normally are rewarded eventually. So my advice would be to do nothing. If you're feeling like I need to, uh, you know, I have, I have FOMO, I have fear of missing out. I'm going to sell some of these laggards and then I'm going to move over into some of the, you know, go-getters, um, you know, kind of pause and say you're going to revisit it in uh, a week, a month, maybe a couple of months when you don't have all the emotions maybe attached to it. Um, also, you can start a position in some growth stocks. You don't have to get out of your value stocks altogether. You can go out and buy NVIDIA tomorrow. That is allowed for value investors. Um, I've always argued on this podcast that you can own, back in the day, the Fangs or the Fangmen, and you can own value stocks. I mean, Warren Buffett does. He owns Apple still. He's not selling it because it's trading at 30 times. Oh, it's too expensive now. I have to sell it. No, he's still in it. He also owns Amazon, a small position. He also owns Visa. That's a small position too, but he's never sold any of his Visa or MasterCard, even when the valuations were sky high, which they were in 2021. Um, Visa was trading over 40 times in 2021. It's now come back down a bit. It's trading at 27 times. So I do like it here a lot more than I did a couple of years ago. So uh, yeah, you can own these as value investors. But there's no there's no rules. Remember that he unless you run an actual value fund where you do have to follow like a value index as your guide and you have like criteria for value stocks that you have to follow or you have to follow certain size market cap like I can only buy big cap value. That's on those managers. But in your own personal portfolio. The sky's the limit, and you can own a mixture of both. 
And I kind of like owning a mixture of both because then when the fear of missing out kind of closes in, I'm already in some of the other side. And um, so that takes away some of my anxiousness and the emotional side of investing, which is, you know, 99% of investing is the emotional side. So um, hang in there. Uh, there are still some good value stocks out there and the banks and energy are really dirt cheap right here. If you have some guts to get into some of those names now while they're cheap, you will get these nicer dividends. And, uh, you know, historically, these stocks will see when the turnaround comes, but uh, the the cheap value stocks are where you want to be. They are the best performers And Warren Buffett knows that. That's why he's not doing anything in his portfolio, at least not yet, that we know of, other than buying more. He's been buying some more Occidental, which is ticker OXY, for the portfolio here on this energy weakness. So let me recap the stock tickers we talked about again. So there was Bank of America. That's in the Berkshire portfolio, ticker BAC. Also in it is Chevron, ticker CVX. I also own my own personal portfolio because they bought out a small little producer that I own. So I just took the shares and I haven't sold any. So I still own Chevron. Then there is American Express, ticker AXP. A is an Adam, X is an X-ray, P is in Paul. Then I just mentioned Occidental. That's also in the Berkshire portfolio. OXY is that ticker. And then some of the stocks on this like pretty basic screen I just ran in the tech sector were Dell Technologies, ticker D as in David, E as in Edward, L as in Larry, L as in Larry, D-E-L-L. Then we had Silicon Motion Technologies, ticker S-I-M-O, S as in Sam, I as in uh Ingrid, (laughs) M as in Mary, O as in Ozarks, S-I-M-O. Then we had Zoom Video in Kathy Wood's portfolio, the ARC-K, ticker Z as in Zoo, M as in Mary. Just two tickers, Z or two letters, Z-M. Then we had NetApp, ticker N-T-A-P. And then we finished up with talk of IBM, but... Buffett did kick it out of the Berkshire portfolio, so I know it's not liked by many value investors anymore. Ticker I as in Ingrid, B as in boy, M as in Mary, IBM is that ticker. And as always, I'm going to be bringing you value stocks every week here. And these intriguing questions like whether or not you should quit value investing. So be sure to subscribe. Get us on YouTube. Go to Zach's podcast on YouTube. Just put that into the search bar, Zach's podcast, and you will see all of our podcasts there. Most of them are there. Um, This is the audio version, so you can just subscribe and listen to it there. You can also get us on Apple, of course course, you can get us on um, a whole host of other uh, podcast platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music. We're on YouTube Music, I believe, too. There's numerous others, but be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stacks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.